Welcome to the Bite of D&D podcast, where we add flavor bits to your games and campaigns. I am Zach, and to my right is my co-host, Micah, and today we're going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to Micah's heart, uh, which is Spelljammer. And uh, so, Micah, why don't you lead us off on this one? You, you you threw me under a bus with that one because you say it's near and dear to my heart, and I'm probably going to make a lot of original Spelljammer fans uh, <laughs> really upset with this. Uh, so yeah, I did not play the original Spelljammer. I, I believe it was a, a second edition thing that they came that came out, and really, its its primary purpose was to allow you to explore the D and D multiverse essentially, so you could take something from. Forgotten Realms and, and move it over to Eberron or... Yeah, and I am... Just so the audience knows that for a lot of you, I'm right along there with you. I don't know diddly squat about Spelljammer, except what Micah has informed me about on a little bit of research I did for this episode. So if you're feeling lost, I'm right along there with you, and uh, we're going to learn a bunch here and hopefully get some good ideas. Well, I, I think the big thing to take away from this is you don't have to... Uh, come up with an entirely new system. Um, there are some great systems out there. Uh, a lot of what I like about Spelljammer, the reason I'm excited about it, the reason I want to make a campaign world with it, is because people have already made those systems. Um, I think the first video I watched on it that was one that Nerdarchy did, they've got a, a pretty extensive post that you can find where it has rules for piloting your Spelljammer ship, um, they use spell slots, and you have to use those to do different maneuvers and things like that, and it has to be helmed by a caster. Um, and this is where I'm going to make probably some people upset, because I, I do not care about adding all of that in there. Can, can you rewind for a minute here? Give me a, a elevator pitch for what is Spelljammer? Spelljammer is D&D in space. Okay. And that, that will... That, that's my super simple summary of it. D&D in space. D&D in space. Um, but not sci-fi D&D. No, this is not laser swords and ray guns, and that's not to say that maybe you couldn't somehow introduce that, and we'll kind of get into that when I go through here as kind of a, a discussion about technology versus magic. But this is your traditional D&D, sword, board, magic, uh, in space. Um, the ships are not spaceships, they're not rockets, it doesn't use jet fuel. Um, these are like a, a ship you may find out at sea, maybe something styled after uh, some sort of creature or monster um, that are, are traditionally piloted by a, a caster, um, and they manipulate the arcane energy in order to get these things to fly. They project their own gravity field, their own kind of atmosphere so you can breathe. Uh, but this could be like a, an open deck ship flying through space. Awesome. Awesome. So how... What was the purpose of this in AD&D? Like, why was this area created? Yeah, originally this was mainly to allow you to, like I said, kind of traverse the multiverse of D&D. So if you had a campaign that was happening in, in Eberron, uh, you could then go do something in Forgotten Realms. Okay. Um, it allowed you to essentially connect all these different adventures uh, canonically with in your same adventuring party. Um, so it, that was its, I, what I believe it was its uh, primary uh, purpose, uh, but I prefer to just use it to explore, uh, you know, kind of do the, the Star Wars approach, or, or I guess Star Trek, and, and discover new planets, new 
uh, ecosystems, uh, new creatures, um, maybe uh, some similar stuff you would find elsewhere, but they develop differently on these other planets. Now, what about things like um, the different planes, like the shadow plane and the elemental plane? Are those the same type of thing where you could travel to, or are those different? So, when I do a mm-hmm. Spelljammer game, I don't get rid of the planes. Like, I still allow them to exist, but honestly, I don't use them much. If my players want to do that, then I will utilize it. But I instead uh, kind of take a Star Wars approach to my planets in that I will have a fire planet and an ice planet. And then, so instead of having planes, there will be different planets that kind of represent them in a way. So this kind of goes back to our building your world Mm-hmm. map sort of scenario where instead of building one map you're in a sense that has different continents and islands and different things like that you're taking a bigger approach and saying i'm building 16 different worlds instead of 16 different continents yeah uh the, the nice thing about it you, because when you do a traditional game you want a variety of ecosystems and you can do that in this as well um it, it's a little bit more work but you can have other earth-like planets that you go to. I personally prefer to do the Star Wars-y thing where you have a set planet for each because it makes world building so much simpler. Um, I don't want to have to create an Earth-like environment for every single one of these. Um, But it also allows me to focus on specific types of encounters, specific types of creatures, maybe do some cool stuff that you wouldn't normally see in some other things, and it gives me an excuse to play with these different things that I wouldn't have in a a normal game. So you could have, like, a planet full of elemental creatures, and that's just, in your galaxy, in your universe, that's where elementals come from, or whatever. Like, that could be the answer for that. Right. Or, or like, um, what we consider gods, maybe they came from one of these other planets, you know, maybe that's, uh, or there's an even more powerful forces out there. They're just incredibly powerful for our world. I mean, there's a million different ways you can go uh, with it. I've used traditional gods in this setting. I've I've made them basically just our own worldly concepts as well and that other things exist elsewhere. Um, I kind of drew uh, inspiration from a little bit of, of the drow, I guess, in that they're, instead of like the Underdark, you have your, your deep space. And I have these, I, I had these pale skinned, um, kind of elvish creatures. Because for the most part, um, elves are the, I have as the primary space traveling race. Um, uh-huh. They're more in tune with magic, they live longer, so it's easier for them to kind of work towards this. Yes. Um, kind of a longer game plan scenario. They're very, uh, uh, they look down on everyone else. They they consider them the lesser races, mm-hmm. um, things like that. But it's essentially this subsect of elves, uh, kind of similar to how the drow are, but they come from deep space. They worship this ice queen uh, who gives them these elemental powers over ice and stuff. Um, and I I used um, mystic stats for them from the Unearthed Arcana um, to kind of give them some abilities and things. Um, but I really like them. It lets you play with new things, reflavor some stuff. And I don't think it has to be difficult either. I mean, when you're traveling through space, um, yes, it's a 3D environment pretty much at all times, but, I mean, 
Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, I mean, any others, how often do you have this chaotic three-dimensional thing happening? You, you, you don't. You can treat it exactly how you would a an encounter on the ocean in your normal D&D world with, with sailing and stuff. Um, and, and again, you can make that as in-depth and as, as advanced as you want. Again, we'll link to that article where they have all these different rules for the ships and stuff, but I kind of ignore that. Um, I like the flavor of it. I like to, to describe them as being these uh, special ships and stuff, and I give them unique abilities. Like I, I gave them some arcane cannons and things like cool. that that they could fire. Um, but I don't worry about uh, maneuvering and things like that. I kind of treat it as um, another creature, almost like it was a, a huge or gargantuan-sized creature um, that you can pilot uh, within this space, but then you can move around on top of it and jump to other ships and stuff like that. Okay, uh, cool. Uh, a question that kind of cropped up in my mind as you were talking was, sometimes I have a hard enough time building my world, my one world, it, this, it, it, it's already intimidating to me, the idea of building like a universe. So, so is there, is there a point there where you have to have a suspension of disbelief? Obviously you do to some extent either way, but there is, um, I view kind of at the start anyway, uh, each planet as its own adventure. So I don't have a ton of backstory planned for it. I don't have all of that. I don't think in this case it it matters. But when players specify that they have interest in that, and maybe they want it, then I'll kind of draw some stuff in and, and, and go more in-depth with what I have planned for that area. Um, but I don't worry about a big backstory for everything. I'll have a basic concept. I'll have maybe an underlying theme for uh, as far as like a, a story or a, a specific quest that they need to complete to kind of draw them through. Um, but I don't worry about planning out every single planet extensively. I treat each one as its own essentially adventure. Gotcha. And then I can expand from that. So that that kind of reminds me of like Mass Effect or the KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic games, where you went to a different planet and it wasn't a whole planet. You were there, in a sense, like you said, to do a, a, an adventure or a series of quests, maybe elements tied to a larger campaign plot or idea, but in the end, you're, you, you, they have not designed, and you have not designed an entire world to explore, but only a certain area of that world that allows you to have the flavor of that new setting, but not you, you, the whole point is not for you to go out. This is not a sandbox environment. Right. Now, I'm fine with it becoming one, but I do not design it at the start as one, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I will spend more time trying to make the different races and things that maybe I'll create for it interesting um, to give them uh, reasons for being there. Maybe I'll take, um, like, uh, this one I, I, I stole directly from that Nerdarchy video I was talking about, but I like how they did um, orcs uh, in that they weren't as adept in magic or whatever, so they would kind of uh, fling themselves with catapults at you to attack you and oh, cool. and things like that. And they're very crude ships. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, great. I, I stole that uh, uh, to use in my games. I thought that was perfect. Um, but I spent a lot more time trying to make the races and the interactions interesting yeah. and not worrying about the planet because ultimately they're going to remember 
the things they meet, the things they do on it, more than the planet itself. And then if they, they want to spend time there, I can always expand on it, and I can turn it into a sandbox adventure, and I'm happy to do that. But I, I don't worry about the the, the specifics um, immediately. So talk to me about, is this are these ships magical, or are they technology? So I like to kind of use a blend of both, and I like to base it kind of off of who made it. So, like, for instance, if I were to have uh, dwarves on a ship, uh, I'd probably have them powering it through, like, super powerful, uh, for like, forge engines, almost. Yeah. There have been, like, in the... I did a, a small little adventure for our group um, where I had... Uh, uh, essentially an arcanist uh, or an uh, artificer. I, I say arcanist every time. I had an artificer who was working with this mages guild and he had kind of come up with these plans and a rival guild found out, kidnapped him and uh, were trying to get it built. Uh, but none of them like, they didn't have enough raw energy to power the ship. Right. It wasn't an efficient ship. So they started experimenting on, on his body, trying to distill this raw arcane energy that they would like pump into him through these IVs and he had all these like arcane essentially blisters covering his body as this energy was trying to burst out of him. It was almost too much for his body to contain and they were going to use them essentially as a battery. So as they're making their escape, uh, one of the players basically destroyed the tower. Uh, That was a mistake on my part as a DM, uh, giving them access to these vials of arcane energy and how I described them, but I wasn't going to take that back uh, after I said it. If you want your players, quick note, if you want your players to ignore something or leave it alone, don't sell it as orbs of raw, highly explosive arcane <laughs> energy, because they will he, always say, yeah. let me get a bag. Yeah, he grabbed the bag uh, as they're making their escape, he threw the entire bag onto this floor, and this chain reaction of explosions just brought the tower down. So they're racing up this tower, trying to get out before it collapses. They get onto the ship, and like these arms, these these uh, almost Matrix-like kind of tentacle arms came down and, and stabbed into the guy they were supposed to be rescuing uh, all across his body, and it, it started drawing power from him, and he kind of became one with the ship or whatever. So it was kind of a sentient ship type thing. You can do it a million different ways. Um, so the answer... To the question, it, magic or technology is yes. Yes, yes, both. Uh, he used, it, was, it was technology in order to latch on to him, in order to kind of... There were gears and stuff on the ship that would work, but it needed an arcane source of energy as like a battery in order to function. So I say this not because it's the end of the episode, but because I really do feel it. But I feel like I have a much better grasp of what Spelljammer is at this point, at least in your interpretation. In my interpretation. Again, this is all about how you want to flavor it. If, if you, it, This is how I would want to go to space if I were playing D&D, um, and I just drew inspiration from Spelljammer. This is not a true Spelljammer game. Uh, you can find more information on that. I mean, it, there's a lot of cool stuff, but this is just how I like to do it. It's, it's about taking mechanics that are already in the game and then just flavor it, like changing how you explain it um, in order to, to give you a different feel for the adventure. Awesome. Well, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Uh, be sure to check us out next week uh, when we have a new episode up, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.